Today's guest is Dr. Steve G. Jones. He's a clinical hypnotherapist who's been on many television shows regarding things of the mind, hypnosis, uh, entities, all sorts of cool stuff. You can look him up. I brought him on to speak specifically on astral projection. He's a little bit outside of the, the normal programming, but a few months ago, I mentioned the idea of astral projection, which um, was actually thrown to me by my good friend, uh, Alex Kane of Modern Health Monk. He's been on the podcast as well. And only because it came from him, who's he's a very rational person, that I entertained the idea. And I did mess around with it a few years ago. I had some experiences that were kind of scary and hard to understand, and I kind of forgot about it for a while. But a few months ago, I, I mentioned it to my girlfriend, who's also a very rational person, who's judgmental of this hippie stuff. She was actually fascinated by it. She tried some things. She had some experiences as well that seemed to be the soul leaving the body, uh, to use Steve Steve's terminology. And uh, funny enough, that week or that day, I had ads pop up on my Instagram for an astral projection course. Not sure if I searched for something that brought that up, or the phone was really listening to us, or random synchronicity, who knows, um, maybe a combination of all three. But I brought Steve on to speak about it because, uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there on this thing that cannot be proved in real life, but enough people have had experiences that seem fascinating. And I think... Uh, uh, the biggest takeaway for me, because I am still half skeptical about everything, but I mean, the idea that a lot of this stuff, when, when you're supposedly leaving the body and experiencing things in this world that's not quite the material world, they map very well to Jungian psych. So even if you take it all as a metaphor, or even like, oh, you're just hallucinating and then seeing stuff that's in your mind, which is Jung's take on dreams anyway, you can see practical use of it. And um, I really liked Steve's grounded explanation of things and admitting to where things were not provable or uh, claims cannot be made. But I, I thought it was fascinating. And uh, you can check out Steve's work at stevegjones.com. He has a free hypnosis download that you can check out. Other than that, some other cool podcasts on Jungian Psych coming out. Uh, one just came out, more are coming out. Um, you can catch the live stream of them if you join my Facebook group. Uh, search for Masculine Underground on Facebook, or if you go to forum.masculineunderground.com, it'll take you straight there. The Archetype class is available, as I mentioned earlier, giving away the free coaching session with that now, uh, especially if you're in some sort of quarantine or lockdown. It's a great time to work on yourself, and I want to work on such things with with you if you'd like you know so anyway this is on astral projection i'm probably gonna have more people on uh it's funny this season i'm uh, focusing on fitness and the occult which are two very opposite things but um yeah, i mean you may have caught the last episode with brett jones no relation on fitness uh, we're gonna have more fitness people and possibly more we could call metaphysical experts on uh, in the coming future but uh, right now you're listening to episode 80 dr steve jones astral projection you're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Dr. Steve, thanks for being here. Sure thing, Ruan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So um, I don't know if you uh, caught the note that uh, was sent over to you when we reached out, but um, uh, my girlfriend and I started talking about astral projection kind of randomly. It was a, I read a, um, Adventures Beyond the Body many years ago, which you may be familiar with, and uh she thought it was a crazy idea. Then we started messing around with it. We had some experiences that we see, seem to be astral projection. I want to ask you about them. And then uh, a couple of days later, I saw an ad for your astral projection course on Instagram. I don't know if it's because I searched for something or the phone listens to you. Uh, who knows? But um, it seemed like too much of a synchronicity to not reach out. Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, but first, uh, I know your background is actually in hypnosis, right? 
It is, yes. Okay. Uh, would you briefly take us through uh, what you do and how that ties to astral projection? Sure. Uh, with the astral projection program, I believe you're talking about the art of astral projection. That's the yes. uh, program. Yep. And in that program, the way I integrate hypnosis into it is uh, a lot of people have challenges with, uh, you know, clearing the kundal- clearing the chakras to raise the kundalini and then astral projection in and of itself. There are challenges along each step of the way. So uh, when I first created it, I wanted to make sure that I was incorporating some help for those things because that's where people get hung up and that's where I got hung up uh, on many of those steps. Awesome, awesome. And um, all right, so most baseline questions, so we're all on the same page. Um, Could you define what it is and like what actually happens when one astral projects or seems to astral project yeah well the idea behind astral projection is that your soul leaves your body and your soul being in a different dimension it leaves your body and it is then traveling in the astral realm Uh, but it doesn't it's always in that realm anyway it's just that the only thing we're doing differently here is that you're consciously becoming aware of that and then you're taking control of that process so that you have the power to do that yourself and that's how i would define astral projection and uh what is the astral realm exactly it's another, it's a different world that's imposed on top of this one that's at a different vibratory rate so that we don't see it every day. We don't, we don't interact with it. So unless we are looking in that dimension, then we, most people normally do not see that. You do hear exceptions, of course. You hear people talking about things all the time, uh, you know, psychic mediums and so forth. Yeah, I mean, uh, the things that come to mind when I've been reading about this described, because like one of the questions that you probably get a lot or one of the uh, skeptical concerns is, um, how do you know you're not just hallucinating? How do you know you're not just dreaming? Um, I'm going to ask about that in a bit, but something I've, I've uh, heard from a lot of friends who either suffered childhood trauma or um, went very deep into drug addiction, they actually describe situations very similar to what most people describe in astral projection, like down to the specificity of like, they see their body floating off and there's a little cord connecting them to their, and actually uh, connecting them to their belly button. I actually saw a video where you're speaking about that exact experience is, so uh, are, are those all the same thing, one? And uh, two, how, how does one know that they're not just hallucinating? Yeah, well, they could all be the same thing. I mean, people on drugs can see all kinds of things that aren't actually happening, uh, but they could be having an astral experience. That's perfectly plausible as well. And so the second question, what was the second question? Uh, well, the, the earlier question was, um, are they all the same thing? And like, how do you, how do you know that you're not, like when you, I've had experiences where I think I'm astral projecting, but I might've just been dreaming a vivid dream. Yeah, I know. I mean, how do you know anything? I mean, how do you really know that you're even here right now? How do you know that you're alive? How do you know that I'm real? I mean, how do you know anything? You don't. You don't really know. And that's the that's part of the mystery of life. Now, I have had astral experiences in my younger years that I've since come to think maybe that just happened in my mind. You know, that is quite possible. But then again, as I get older, I get more philosophical. So I think, does it really matter? 
you know, ultimately we get to that. And what are you really accomplishing? That's why in the program that, you, that you're referencing, we put the, the idea that you're working on yourself. You know, you're developing yourself, you're clearing your chakras because they pertain to different levels of you, communication in the throat, you know, being able to communicate, uh, being heart-centered, being your heart chakra. So it's, it's a self-help program, really that's designed to help you become a better person along the way. Whether or not astral projection is actually real becomes irrelevant in a discussion about improving yourself. So I just want to be clear that you can improve yourself with a program like this, whether it's real or not. So getting back to, getting back to the question, um, you know, I believe that the experiences that I've had are in the astral realm. I believe, I believe that, you know, what I experienced is real and was real for me. That was my experience of it. That was my perception of it. And we get into a little bit of Erhard seminar training, which later become, became a, a landmark. Are you familiar with that at all? Uh, I am quite familiar with uh, EST and, and many of the other organizations in that time period. Yeah, so you realize that from, you know, studying that, and, and the book of Est was great by uh, Luke Reinhardt, who uh, went to Harvard, and uh, the essence of it is everything that's happening to you in your life is your experience, and you are responsible for your experience, and you can take control of that at any time, and this is just another example of that. Cool. Um, can you can you uh, share more about like what are the benefits? Because obviously, when someone first buys into the idea or entertains it, the first thing is like I'm going to go spy on my neighbors, or I'm going to go like uh, do something at casinos or figure out something. But like, uh, can you say more about what what someone gets from mastering this or exploring this uh, area? Yeah, and the, the the idea behind astral projection is you should use it for good. You know, you should use your powers for good. And we all know what that means. And that means that you're not using it to gain something at someone else's loss. You know, if you gain some information about your neighbor that you use against them or spy on them, you know, that's we don't recommend any any of that kind of stuff. But what you can get, and a lot, a lot of uh, couples uh, find therapy, I think you mentioned you and your girlfriend uh, are exploring this, uh, a lot of couples find that just like doing something like chakra linking, where you're linking the various chakras, have you done that? Um, kind of in tantra okay, things, so. Yeah, there you go. You may you, you can explore all kinds of stuff like that. This is one more thing like that that's going to bring you closer together, and then you can have an astral experience, and you can you know, just build a more solid foundation for your relationship and your love for each other beyond a physical expression of your love, beyond a verbal expression of your love, actually feeling the spiritual expression of your love. Gotcha. And in regards to like this whole idea of higher consciousness, like the word enlightenment gets thrown around, I don't know if you use that term, but like when people talk about things like this or clearing chakras, that's what comes to bear is, is there anything you can say on that in terms of like that kind of self-help experience can you can you uh reduce that to uh, uh, sure sure in astral projecting uh how does one develop themselves to be better in the world okay well the um 
you know, like, I mean, like, what can you actually do astral projection wise that'll make you better? Like, spying on your neighbor would be bad, so don't do right. that. So what specific activity can you do that would then be good? And yeah, like the personal development effect. Like, like, what is? I mean, let's say you explore the astral world and you have mastery of that. Like, how does it actually affect your day to day life in a positive way? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, that gets back to the idea of experience and what's real. I mean, how how it affects you is all about what you make of it. And that's true with anything else. So everything that you will ever experience in your life is going to affect you in the way that you allow it to and the way you work with it and the, and the beliefs you bring into it, the limitations you set up or the ones you let go of. That's how it's going to help you. And that's different for every single person. So would it be fair to say this is um, on that level, it's uh maybe a heightened or more exciting form of like a meditation practice? You could say that. I mean, a lot of people who practice astral projection would say no, uh, you know, okay. but I, I will, I will accept that language because I, I do believe that that's true, but astral projection is quite a bit more than that, actually. I mean, it's the concept okay. of your spirit leaving your, your physical body. So that's, that's something that it, it could be in meditation, but I would define that as being, meditation plus okay fair enough um so i want to ask about some specifics because um i've had some experiences i'm not sure exactly as i as i mentioned but i have sat up out of my body i've had um i, I was reading this uh ebook on sexual alchemy that was on and i was very skeptical while i was reading so i just want to say that but it was all about sitting up out of your body and then being touched by entities and stuff like that um i think i saw a video where you you met, could you share what you understand on, on that level? Yeah, I, I lost part of the, the video. Froze. I lost part of it. I think I got the majority of it. Share the, uh, the negative entity experience that I had. Or not, not necessarily negative, but like, what's your take on disincarnate entities floating around that can interact with you when you leave your body? Or maybe when you're even in your body. Right. So the idea, we're talking about ghosts and stuff like that. When we get into conversations like that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what, what most people would call a ghost. So they saw a ghost, they saw an entity. These are things that are in the that are considered to be in the astral world. Uh, you know, people who are astral projecting, uh, people who have passed on but haven't gotten over where they want to be, so they, they haunt it. Um, there's a YouTube video, uh, I did a TV show, Door to the Dead, you can check that out, where I went into a place where the lady was, she felt that she was possessed, and so I had to hypnotize her for that. She was actually talking to the entity, and we caught that on video, not the entity, unfortunately, but the conversation. And so these are examples, of what you're talking about here are examples of the population, if you want to look at it that way, of the astral realm or the spirit world. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. With uh, are you familiar with Anthony Peake's work by any by any chance? I'm not. Okay. He wrote a book on out of body experiences, um, and uh, I'm curious because so he's uh, he's he's a writer, so he didn't really have a he shared many different theories, and um, one of them, and I've experienced this while. Uh, sleep sleep paralyzed which I've experienced a lot uh, when I was young where you see what's going on but you're seeing like the wrong version of reality or like uh, the, the, the furniture is a little bit different but it's in the same spot the walls are a slightly different color maybe you're hearing things about people that are there but they're not actually saying it um, and his take on it was that 
when you're in that state, you've stepped into a different permutation of reality. Like the names are different, the colors are different, but it's almost the same thing. Um, and his idea was that when you're astral projecting, you're, you're always going to a different version of reality, which is why you sometimes see things that really happen. Sometimes you don't. And he says there's different locales. Like you might astral project into this real world. You might astral project into a different version of the world. I'm curious what your experiences have been with that or what your take is on that theory. Well, that doesn't sound, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure he's, a, he's an awesome writer, but that doesn't sound like mainstream astral projection theory, if there is such a thing as that. Uh, so it's off the beaten path. Most people, when they talk about astral projection, are talking about a specific realm that you can enter into when you astral project, not one of many realms. He's kind of crossing into maybe he's talking about something from the world of physics, uh, something like Michio Kaku, uh, the theoretical physicist, uh, would talk about uh, in, in one of his books, which I've, I've read all of them. They're all amazing, by the way, Michio Kaku. And uh, that's where we talk about multiple dimensions in the world of physics. I'm talking about go to college, study physics, that physics, not metaphysics, which is read it in a book, and it's not taught in college. So I think that uh, his theory is more of a hybrid, and it's not the mainstream astral projection theory, nor is it my understanding of the astral realm, nor my experience. However, that's my uh, psychological experience many times. When, I, when I'm dreaming or when I'm daydreaming, I'll think of an alternate reality, change a few things here and there, tweak the formula, you know, that kind of thing. So those are all my thoughts on what you just shared. Gotcha. So your experience with astral projection energy body is moving in what we would see as like conventional reality. Like you're seeing people that were actually there. You're seeing things that are actually there. Is that right? Yes. It's an, it was an experience of seeing the actual world as we would, I would call the three dimensional world, you know, stuff. And uh, as we normally see it, and then also being able to see the additional things and spirit type entities that are in the astral world. That was my personal experience of that. Can you share anything? I'm sure there's many unusual things, but anything uh, of note that you've experienced with entities maybe when you first started? Because uh, like the, the few times I've seemed to have less, left my body, it's always been kind of scary. Like I've been like, oh shit, there's something here and I want to go right back into my body. But the most recent time, a few months ago, I realized like it's just a thing that I don't need to be afraid of, like a dog. But anyway, that, that's, I would, I'd love to hear your uh, your experiences with that. Yeah, and that's a great mindset to have. And I would keep that mindset moving forward because a lot of the entities in the astral realm, we call them elementals. They're just things like dogs and cats in the, in the astral version of that. And they just, I'm not saying they are disembodied dogs and cats, that's there too. But what I am saying is that they're the equivalent of that. They're that type of energy, uh, the astral world's equivalent. And they just really don't have much of an agenda except to sometimes mess with people and, you know, have fun and, you know, make things a little scary sometimes. So those are, those are what we call elementals. And so that's there. And then you have the fact that it's scary and new, you know, as a clinical hypnotherapist, uh, primarily, I, work with people with hypnosis and it's scary and new to them so i have to get them over that and get them to relax and so forth so yeah it's a lot so a lot of what you're experiencing is what i experienced which is 
Yeah, it's scary and new. And then there are all these things there that don't necessarily have your best interest in mind, but they're not dangerous. So that's why I said that the dog idea is going to be powerful for you. If you think of them like sweet little puppy dogs that can't hurt you, that's the best way to think of them. Hmm. Yeah, um, this might cross over into your therapy work, but uh, the way you're speaking about it sounds like what like Jung would describe as archetypes, only like you're actually seeing it in space rather than it being a concept. Is that fair to say? Because like he would describe like someone being possessed by a demon as some demon is someone like um, just being overcome by this set of emotions that we would maybe call like an angry archetype or a beast archetype or something. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, absolutely. And if we took a, if we, if everything I just said, if we just took that and imposed a Jungian template on top of it, uh, that's exactly how it would get parsed up. That's exactly where everything would be. You're quite right. Fair enough. Um, so does astral projection, uh, is this something you actually use when you're working with someone in therapy? No, I mean, it's not something that comes up during therapy. People, uh, these days I charge a fair amount of money. So uh, normally we're working on something that's, you know, more quote unquote practical uh, in the third dimensional realm, making more money, getting more confidence, having more motivation because they're, they're usually go-getters at this point. Um, that's because of my, my branding has changed a little bit since uh, we initially released the art of astral projection. And I've been on the millionaire matchmaker as a millionaire and Bravo's below deck as a millionaire. So we switched over into this branding that we didn't bring upon ourselves. We didn't seek to find it, but now wealthy people come to me and they want to be wealthier. So lots gotcha. of the spiritual stuff these days, unfortunately, because I miss it so much and I, and I, and I love it. I mean, this is a bit of a side, but have you found that um, spiritual branding just uh, attracts lower income people? No, no. I okay. team up with Dr. Joe Vitale from The Secret, and we do uh, products together. And the spiritual type, his brand is more spiritual. He was in the movie The Secret. So that's just right. you know, spirituality has been stamped on him. That's the way it is. And so, and he's also a very spiritual guy. So that's wonderful. And he has, he, I mean, it's, spirituality has no shortage of people who are followers of it and who are quite interested in investing in their personal change. So I have not seen any substantial, um, you know, difference either way. People are interested okay. in their career and they're interested in spirituality and people will invest in what they're interested in. Fair enough. Um, so I do want to speak about manifestation. I had some notes on that because uh, one thing I've read about astral projection is this idea of like uh, going into the astral world, tinkering around with things in a way that affects material reality. And even even Jung would speak about this uh, regarding dreams. Like if you go into a dream and you can shift something or something changes for you in the dream world, it's like it's the representation of what's going to change in your life. Um, right. How does manifestation tie into this whole astral travel stuff? Wow. Now, manifestation in a Jungian sense tied in astral projection. Your mind's very interesting, by the way, Ruan. I really uh, the psychological <laughs> the way that you see the world because I, I think you're you're really onto something. And uh, I also see how you and your girlfriend could probably get along with it. Like she can have her idea of it. You can have your idea of it. And kind of you're running it through me to make sure that I'm, I'm cool with that. But I, I bless you both. You can both have your points of view. I bless them both. Uh, Thanks. I just wanted to say um, that. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, I'll say uh, I think the Jungian stuff, like it's very easy to accept it in terms of metaphor. So maybe 
I, I'm asking more like the material sense of, let's say, even type of stuff of like actually changing uh, occurrences in your material reality. What's the connection with astral projection, if any? Well, the connection is that that's what I encourage people to do. Uh, in the Art of Astral Projection, the program that you're referencing, I encourage people to make changes in their actual lives, their three-dimensional reality, the, you know, the reality of stuff like chairs and jackets and you know, stuff. And I encourage them to make a change in that world through the work they're doing in astral projection. So whether it's financial or manifesting a relationship or manifesting deeper love or becoming a writer or a musician or whatever they want to unleash or do, uh, that's what I encourage. And that can be, I mean, and that can happen whether you look at it as the way perhaps your girlfriend would look at it, I'm gathering, as a spiritual experience where you're leaving your body and, and experiencing these things or a Jungian type experience where you're seeing an archetype and the archetype is giving you information and the archetype is what you needed to see. And it does clearly represent that, uh, you know, the shadow or whatever, whatever it may be. I don't know if an archetype can represent the shadow in Jungian uh, psychology. Maybe you, maybe you've studied it more recently, but uh, we've got all these interesting characters when we get into Jungian psychology. So um, the idea is that no matter how you perceive it, it's, designed to help you improve your life okay so like on the material change thing can you maybe illustrate an example because like the the Jungian or more metaphorical stuff i can I, I grasp that like you let's say you have a dream you chop off medusa's head you go back into your life and your relationship with your mom is more peaceful like i, I get that symbolism but as far as like astral projecting and then doing something in the astral plane that affects your finances like can you give us an example of like what that would look like Oh, you mean like go do something in the astral plane and like money shows up in the bank? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it uh, works quite that simply. At least I've never heard of it working that simply. Um, I, I wish I would. We could raise the price, you know, quite a bit if you could <laughs> buy this program and manifest money in the bank, you know, instantly. Um, but that's not what it's all about. What it's about is, let's take that as an example. Let's say the the let's say there's a challenge and you're like, Steve, there's a 30 day challenge here. Uh, use astral projection with this person to get them to manifest X amount of money in the bank. So how do we do that? Uh, we do that just like we do anything else, which is we have them focus on that and focus on, first of all, improving themselves. Secondly, figuring out how they can do that. Third, letting go of all those limitations that have to do with, uh, with that, uh, being some, there being some kind of blockage there. And again, as we go through the chakras, we can work on who they need to love better, usually themselves, how they need to communicate better. Normally, they need to be more honest with themselves, um, how, they, how they need to start thinking about their possibilities. And through that process, we can get them there. And there's also the astral projection experience that people have, that they have the, the experience of going into the astral realm and doing this work in the astral realm. And that is part of it also. It's designed to be part of it. And so at the end of it, no matter what you believe about any of this or anything or any other part of reality, we can see, now I haven't taken this challenge and I'm not making a claim that we can have X amount of money in the bank in 30 days, but you know, we, we, that's what we're after, an actual measurable result. It doesn't have to be money. It could be, it could be more love or it could be a new job or just more time alone. Are there any dangers to messing around this world? Because um, I, 
I don't know if it's, it's exactly the same thing, but uh, with my experience of psychedelics, any well-versed person, a shaman or something will say, like, you need to make sure you don't get lost. I mean, there might be elemental entities, but they can mess with you if you interact in the wrong way. Are there any dangers of like losing your mind or never coming back or anything like that? Uh, you know, there, there are, but I, you know, I've used ayahuasca. I went to Rhythmia and I, I uh, spent a week there. That's a place in Costa Rica where they, uh, have ayahuasca. Michael Beckwith and I, uh, Michael Beckwith from the secret, we were both there at the same time and there for about a week and I used it four times. And so I know the experience of, you know, being on that type of thing and, and being out of control and feeling that uh, you're in the hands of some other entity. And I can tell you that that experience that I had is similar to my early experiences as a child, as uh, you know, a young adult starting out using uh, using this technology and starting to astral project, I was, you know, seeing the entities, the dark presence and all that, and it just scared the heck out of me. So you can, you can overcome that though, and you can uh, center yourself and you can, you know, you can move forward from that point. But I guess it's like, uh, especially with a young person, maybe an impressionable person, assuming that these entities are across the spectrum of personalities, it's possible to be negatively influenced. Like the kid who says an, uh, says a fairy told me to burn the building, that could that could happen to an impressionable kid in another realm. Is that right? Okay, so you're you're talking about a situation in which someone's in another realm and some kid tells him to burn a building and he burns it. Is that what you're? I'm just giving an example of like uh, the things you may encounter in this war in this realm could be negative. Like they could influence you yeah, in a bad way. Not that negative um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen if that happens we're probably dealing with um a child who's got a, a severe mental illness that needs to be looked at um so you you know you need to distinguish between the two if if someone tells a normal you know i say normal i'm talking bell-shaped curve here i'm talking about a normal distribution of the types of personalities a quote-unquote normal person um if they're told by an entity to burn down a building, they won't do that because that goes against their conscience. So bad things like that are, are unlikely and not any more likely they are than they normally would be for a person like that. Who's probably psychotic. The, um, the, the scary thing. I mean, if they go burn the building down, I'm saying not if they hear that people hear things all the time, that doesn't mean you're psychotic. So I want to make a distinction there. If they hear it and do it, there's an issue. So, but you do have, you know, potential anxiety, you know, like I said, it scared the heck out of me. Um, you do have the um, idea, there is the concept of a negative entity attaching itself to a person. There's that concept. But in the program, we teach to surround yourself with protective light so that you avoid that. But there again, we get into the concept. If we look at it with the Jungian template, then, you know, what would that be? Something we didn't get over, something we didn't deal with, something we feel we can't just, we can't, you know, push off of ourselves. So, you know, there's benefit in exploration of that. Yeah, on the on the psychotic thing, I know this maybe is like outside of your work, but um, everything I've, the more I learn about this topic and then hear about schizophrenia and like having them seeing like the commonalities, um, is it, is it fair to say, or is it fair to theorize that, um, 
someone who, with severe schizophrenia, maybe it's just stuck in the astral realm where that's that feels more real than material reality. That could very well be. I mean, I see uh, schizophrenic people every now and then on the street. They're having conversations with their imaginary friend, and that's not to make fun of them. That's actually what's going on. They're walking down the street, talking to someone who's not actually there, but they think they are there. And so that is something that does happen in the astral realm. So there is that similarity. Uh, the, whether or not, whether they're in the astral realm or not, I, I don't know. And I don't, uh, my, under, my feeling about schizophrenics is it's a chemical imbalance and they're having an experience that, uh, can be explained, uh, by psychiatrists as a, as a chemical type experience that, uh, if we had the instruments sophisticated enough, we could plug into their brains and we could we could watch that and it's all perfectly explainable that's my understanding now i'm saying that partially to kind of bow down to psychiatry because we don't want to take something from psychiatry and move it out of that i think the psychiatrists would be upset about that i'm a member of the uh, american psychological association also by the way so i want to make sure that my my colleagues and friends out there in the world are are understanding the respect i have for their work so typically that's in in the world of psychiatry but who knows? It is quite possible that they are indeed stuck in the astral realm. Gotcha. Yeah, because uh, my the scariest experiences I've had on psychedelics hasn't been like in seeing scary things or feeling scary things. It's in not knowing what the real reality was, like being in this space of like, was what I was just experiencing a dream? And is this, like that's like the most terrifying thing to not know where you are. And um, yeah, it just seems like uh, people with long-term schizophrenia their other world is more real. Like we're a bad dream to them. And I was wondering if there was like the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's quite possible. Uh, I don't know. I don't have uh, information on schizophrenics and whether or not they are actually spending full time in the astral realm and maybe very little time in, in reality. I guess when they, you know, you see a street light, then they have to cross. You normally, I, I, the only time I interact with schizophrenics is when I see homeless people. So I know that they are able to cross the street uh, without getting hit, and at the same time maintain the conversation with the person who's not really there. So they are living in two worlds. That's absolutely happening. I've seen that with my own eyes. I've experienced that on numerous occasions. Um, but whether or not we can explain that by them being in the astral realm, I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. So I want to ask you about um, techniques because I've seen like two categories of astral projection techniques. There's like the stuff where you pull yourself out of your body, you pull on a rope or you sit up or you roll over. And then there's like the other kind of like stranger things technique where you just like immediately go to another place. I was wondering if you had opinions on both or are they both covered in your course or is one better than the other? Because they seem very drastically different. Right, right. I, I do cover both. I cover one in the advanced, one in the basic class, the basic course that you're referencing, which is 17 hours. I mean, that's the basic course. And then the the ones you the ones you reference where you go out right away. I cover those in the advanced class because I don't believe that it's very helpful for someone to imagine themselves, you know, somewhere else in a different uh, part of the world when they're having difficulty even imagining themselves or feeling themselves or experiencing themselves separating from their body at all. So I always say, 
you know, baby steps. That's, that's the way to get there. And so that's why I like the rope technique. You imagine there's a rope hanging from the ceiling. You just grab onto it. You're pulling your spirit body out. I think that's a lot easier to master than, okay, transport to uh, England when you're in the United States. Gotcha. Yeah, because um, my girlfriend and I, we've been trying both. And uh, the I guess what you're calling the beginner technique is the only way I've been able to really feel it and be sure I'm doing something. She's found that it's been easier for her to just think of someone she has a strong emotional connection to, and then she can just see them. And we're, we're in Asia, so at night, our nighttime is like their morning, and she's like, she seems to be seeing her loved ones in America. Uh, and like, yeah, the rope doesn't work for us. Yeah, I was wondering if, so you're saying that that is more of an advanced technique yeah that may be a more of a female technique that you and i can never have i mean when you talk about that's <laughs> possible you know women do have certain advantages one of them is the emotional advantage they're more their emotional iq is far higher than ours could ever be and so she may be just leveraging that the emotional tie she has to the family especially now at a heightened time uh she can even lever it up more and and use that to catapult her in a, in a positive way whereas you know it may be more challenging for you for a number of reasons number one not being female number two not having the you know the family there unless you do um and so that that can account for the difference you know you're slow and steady and she's i, I get somewhere to be yeah yeah we were actually speaking about that like i was thinking like you know i love my family and there's people i love but like there's no one i'm that attached to that i think i could just like appear like if i'm honest yeah, that's the guy for me. that's <laughs> yeah. us you know i'm sorry that's just the way we are yeah yeah she actually asked she wanted me to ask you if there uh the differences were uh between genders or maybe there's other are like i was wondering if like hypnotic suggestibility related to astral projection um yeah, well, you might, yeah, if you go into that. Yeah, I don't know about the correlation between the two, so I don't have any studies on that, but I will say that uh, hypnosis is used throughout the program, and uh, that's in order to get people uh, to continue on and to understand that they can do it and to move forward. They're, they're mostly motivational, but they're also about the specific concepts in each of them. So there are a few other questions there. I want to make sure I didn't miss any of them. Oh, yeah. Um, differences in astral projection between genders, or there's certain types of people that can do it better based on personality or something else, physiology? Uh, physiology, not that I'm aware of. Personality, not that I'm aware of. Not to say it's not real or there but i just i don't know of any studies on that nor have i experienced it uh gender i think we just discovered one uh this this right now right here so uh you can uh, we can name that after your girlfriend the uh the gender <laughs> bias that you get in astral projection by being able to instantly project when you have a strong emotional attachment to that person who's far away that's that's the term we've defined here this yeah um i'm familiar with carlos castaneda He's of course, a, oh yeah okay because uh in in his books he says that women are well more versed in i forget what he calls his type of work but like um he has like these stories of like he was in i guess it was like some version of the astral realm and he needed to be saved by a female colleague because like they're just better because like i think he was saying that most of the universe is female energy so uh thank goodness yeah. yeah, he was saying something. I don't know if this, uh, if you have any thoughts on this, but he was saying like most of the world is female energy, so like men tend to get like more gifts because female spirits are more interested in male humans, but women are more uh, 
they can just do more stuff in like this unearthly realm. I don't know if that relates to anything that you do, but I'm not denying any of that. It's probably absolutely true. And as far as your girlfriend goes, you better definitely get on board with that. I would say just a little piece of advice there. And uh, so I would say that uh, it's quite possible and I don't know. Okay. Um, so I know you mentioned the Akashic Records, and um, the writer I mentioned, uh, Anthony Peake, had a lot to say on it uh, in his on his book on astral projection. Um, could you explain what that? Is? Oh, could you explain what it is first? Yeah, the Akashic Records are something that can be accessed. It's a record of everything that ever happened and ever will happen. So uh, obviously, a very valuable record. So the, they can be. It's something that can be accessed by using astral projection so you're getting access to this again same rules some limitations may apply as the lawyers would say uh you're not supposed to look up anything that's going to give you some advantage like lottery numbers or anything like that so same same kind of deal the the concept here is high level spirituality where you're using these privileges to advance things, to help humanity and or help yourself in a way that will also help others. This might be a dumb question, but uh, why not use it for selfish reasons? Like, is there some oh, karmic no. backlash? Like, oh, what, no. what is I like Anakin Skywalker here? <laughs> some kind of turning points? Like, why not use it for evil? Um, well, not even evil, but just like, why not get the lottery number? Like, is, like, is there something embedded in this framework that um, causes some negative effects? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with everything. Why, why not do bad all the time? It's just don't do it. You know, the uh, there, there. I mean, I just see it as cut and dry. You know, there's good and there's bad. Don't you do good? You don't do bad. Um, if you want, but, but is selfishness necessarily bad? I mean, we don't have to get into a philosophical thing, but I was wondering if, like, have you seen something happen when someone goes for the oh, lottery oh, number? Oh, oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. So you're saying, like, uh, no one's gonna die, uh, no one's gonna get hurt if I win the lottery, right? Right. Gotcha. Okay, well, the idea is that you're creating an imbalance. I mean, you're asking for something to be taken out of balance, whatever it would have been, and put into a balance that benefits you. So you're directing something away from something. What if the person who is going to win the lottery really needed that money because they needed a kidney or they were going to die? And you come along and you win the lottery and, you know, the person dies, you know, who knows? You don't know. So it's the it's like the movie The Butterfly Effect. You never know what your little actions are going to cause. But the idea is that you look for things that meet the standard. The standard is they benefit you and others around you, and they don't hurt anyone. I, I think you still got me with, if this was a game of chess, maybe you still have that move there where you could say, okay, um, yeah, well, I still am benefiting all of my relatives and friends. So is that your next? Uh, uh, no, I mean, it was kind of just, uh, I was wondering, uh, you know, because obviously people want to be good. Most of us want to be good. Uh, <laughs> yes, but it's like. It's good. It's good. <laughs> right. that. Yeah, I was wondering if there was like something actually that happens. Like I know um, I might have heard from shamans, like if you do something too self-centered, there's like like a monkey's paw type of uh, something some 
something bad will happen to compensate for it. I don't, yes. I don't know. Well. Yeah, it's built into the DNA. The only way you can bypass that is if you happen to be, if you happen to have antisocial disorder. So we're talking about a psychopath or a sociopath. Then these rules don't apply. You can be as evil as you want, and you won't suffer because the conscience is gone. So the rules tie into the conscience. So the how you feel about yourself. Your uh, do you feel that what you did was bad or good. Now, not just in the moment, but really deep down inside. When you violate that, you suffer. You pay for it. You pay a price. Uh, these things can manifest in all kinds of medical disorders. I was talking with a, a medical doctor friend of mine yesterday. We're doing a, something about the virus, so he was interviewing me, and he was talking about that, how these things can manifest in that. So that's why, Ruan, following good is good. Cool. Um, can you give an example then of um, using the Akashic records in a way that is positive, or just like, like how does it? Like, can you illustrate? Like, what does that actually look like? You leave your body, and then what? Yeah, well, the idea is you leave your body, and there, there's also there are also ways to access the Akashic records without using astral projection. In fact, most uh, classes that, that talk about the Akashic records wouldn't necessarily mention astral projection as a prerequisite, you know, tapping into them through more of a telepathic means, for example. But in, in this particular program that you're referencing, the art of astral projection, uh, we do take people from the idea of using astral projection into the idea of accessing the Akashic records, because it just makes sense to me, if they're in the same neighborhood, why not stop in while you're there? So we're talking about accessing the Akashic records while you're already in the astral realm, which it just seems to me it's a lot easier. And it's just one more thing that you can, you can access and you can find out about. The way to use them, in my opinion, to get the most value from them and not, you know, act, not hurt this guilt thing that you may stir up in yourself is to focus on your greatest contribution. What is the highest value that you can possibly bring to the most amount of people? You know, what's your highest thing? If you really shot for the stars, what would that be? And so when you, when you use it in that way, then you're using it like it's meant to be used. You're using it for the greater good. And then you come back with an idea that probably is going to make you millions of dollars or billions of dollars but it's some if you really develop it i'm not guaranteeing my i'm not saying that my program makes you a millionaire or billionaire at all i'm not saying that i'm saying that you can unlock that potential within yourself that's that's the real gift that's the real lottery when you unlock yourself and you unleash your personal true potential gotcha um on one sec can you see me okay we're, we're our video is uh, cutting a little bit i can see you fine uh, um Okay. I um, so, gotcha. Uh, so, I'm curious, like, what does it look like? I, I mean, this is probably uh, too crude of uh, illustration, but like, you go, you leave your body, and like, there's is there a big book you look things up in, or like, what is the experience of someone in the astral realm tapping into these records? Yeah, for me, when I personally experienced it, it was like going into a large hall and picking a book from a shelf, just like a traditional library, except everything was, was glowing white 
and that's you don't see that in a traditional library. And the books were too, just pulling one off a shelf, putting it on this table and opening it wherever I wanted to and just beginning to read and experience. Okay. And with this, this is kind of maybe a philosophical or might even dig into metaphysics here, but um, uh, if this is a record of everything that's happened and will happen, where's the room for free will? Or is it like, there's like, a, is there a book for every single possible decision and pathway or like, what are you actually download? So it's not fate, right? Like the records aren't like, this is what's going to happen. It's like, this is what could happen. Correct. You're seeing the, the probable future if you continue doing what you've been doing the way you've been doing it. You're seeing the probable future if things continue moving the way that they've been going. And so that, that's where you're tapping into the real power of it now, tying it all together, because you're tapping into that potential you have and seeing, seeing that as a real possibility for you. Gotcha. Um, okay, so they're kind of like a, a set of causes and effects, and you can just look up the right cause for the right effect. There you go. Yes, exactly. Okay. And that's that's what I teach in the program. You, nobody needs the program now. We, we've uh, we've gone <laughs> fine with me because uh, I'm not here to sell a program. I just want to be very clear about that. Cool. I'm just responding to a request for an interview, and I'm I'm honored to be here. But uh, yes, you are correct. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's uh, many technical things that people can still learn that are not covered in the other 16 hours. Um, Gotta be something in there. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I meant to ask you about this earlier, but uh, you kind of came across this whole, uh, this whole exploration accidentally in military school. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you heard my, my story. Yeah, I was in Riverside Military Academy. You know, a lot of parents threaten to send their kids to military school if they don't shape up or boarding school. Uh, my parents did. Uh, so there I was in Riverside Military Academy in Gainesville, Georgia uh, for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Did not like being there at all. Not one bit. I wanted to get out. So my escape was in my mind um, and in what I started reading. So I got a book on hypnosis, started reading that. That's how I started my website, stevegjones.com. And I eventually would develop it into that and that's also where i started astral projection and these things allowed me to have some hope because that's what i needed at the time i needed some hope i needed to get myself out of the dark place that i was in and that may be what's drawing your girlfriend to that right now you know need, wanting to connect with those loved ones uh, that may be something that's heightened her interest in, in it so yeah, that's that's how I got started in it, and then I, I can go on with that. I can tell you about hypnotizing my roommates in my bunk bed if you want. But uh, and I, oh, I had so many amazing experiences in the astral realm too. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, could you share some of those uh, early experiences? Yeah, yeah. I um, and this is what convinced me that what I was experiencing was actually happening because I was reading about it, and I also had a friend who was studying Huna. Um, I won't give his name, but he was a friend of mine in the military school. He was an officer which means he had his own room. So I could go there. He just let me go in and all by myself, not with any roommates. I could practice astral projection. So one of them that I had was there's this kid in school who I didn't talk to much because he was kind of a, a mess up. I don't know what, what the latest term is, but you know, you kind of in military school, especially 
you know, in high, regular high school, you can be the cool kid and it's okay, you know, but in military school, if you want to be that cool kid and break the rules blatantly, bad things are going to happen to you. And so that's not what you want to associate with. That's just the pressure of military school. And that's the, that's what it's designed for to get these kids straightened out. So um, there's this kid I didn't hang out with, but astral projecting, I did. Suddenly I was in a situation where I was out after taps and taps is 10 o'clock lights out. Everyone has to be in bed. If you're not in bed, then you're going to the bathroom. If you're not going to the bathroom, you go back to bed. But here we were outside of our rooms, uh, far away from the building we were supposed to be in. In fact, he lived in a different building. So I was, I was in uh, Mooney Barracks, and he was in, I think, D Company. So he was off further in some other barracks that uh, were older, unfortunately. So we didn't really, we weren't even living near each other or anything. And we weren't friends, and he was, uh, you know, a bad kid, and I was doing my best to be a good kid. And there we were together. And the experience was my body was like energy. It was all energy. Everything around me had some kind of glow, like energy, and, and, and so did he. And then Colonel Krasnaski, who was the assistant commandant, was walking by, and we both ducked behind a vehicle. So I let it go as kind of a dream. Uh, because it happened to me as I was going to sleep, and I woke up the next day, and I and I saw that kid, you know, the screw up, the kid I didn't talk to because he was, you know, he was going to lead me to getting in trouble. Um, and I said, "What did you dream about last night?" We never talked at all before that. And he said, "I dreamed about you." And I said, "Well, what do you mean you dreamed about me? What would you dream?" And he told me the exact dream, the exact way that I had experienced it, you know, quote unquote, a dream. Until then, it was categorized as a dream. Then it moved into, oh, my goodness, what have I discovered here? So that was that was one of my most powerful experiences early on. Hmm. Let's uh, yeah, it's pretty strong vertical evidence of like something actually happen happening. Um, that'll yeah. that'll convince you. I mean, it's kind of like uh, if some, you know, a Catholic saw the Mother Mary all of a sudden come out of the sky or something, you know, it would, okay, I'm in, you know, I, I was in. Gotcha. And uh, what did you do with it from there? Oh, I just started uh, practicing it on a regular basis. I got really enthralled with it. I started teaching my friends how to do it. And I was teaching them hypnosis. Uh the, uh, the cadet I was talking about, we call each other cadet, um, he and I became good friends. You know, um, he didn't pursue that because that wasn't his thing. He had, he had other interests in life. But uh, the, the, for me, it, it started to define my life along with hypnosis as, okay, there's something more here. There's something that they're not really teaching us in school that, you know, there's something at least, at least the brain is very powerful at creating its own reality that's the very least of what's going on here. And there could be something much greater than that. Let's find out. So I went to the University of Florida and started studying psychology. Gotcha. Um, so this is probably my, my last question uh, tying to that. Someone starts uh, getting into this, maybe because they listen to this, they take your course, they learn some techniques. And maybe you cover this in the course too, but uh, what is the best way to practice? And I'm asking for myself too, because I've had these random little uh, astral experiences but there's so few and far between i'm like how do i work this muscle or or explore what there is to explore here 
Yeah, well, again, again, good metaphor, muscle, just like with the dog, it's a good metaphor. Uh, muscle, you know, a muscle, if you want to develop it, you have to exercise it daily, every day, you know, or every, or as much as you want to, as much as you're devoted to that. So how devoted are you to that? And that will dictate how regularly you practice this, because that's really where it's at with astral projection. Everyone who's had success, myself included, we had to practice on a regular basis. So what I would do is this, so that you don't spend the rest of your life in this pursuit, or, you know, we want to make sure that this plan makes sense for you. So what I would do is just set aside a chunk of time and say, and a chunk of time every day and a timeline, like maybe a month or, you know, a few weeks, whatever you feel like is reasonable for you to devote to it. I would say a month and then every day, without fail at a certain time, you're practicing. You know, we're probably talking about a, maybe a 30-minute commitment every day for a month. You know, do that. Um, at the end of that, one of two things will have happened. You'll either have had success or not had success or, or somewhere in between. So, you know, that's the best way to find out. And then we can, uh, I'll be glad to come back after that if you want to do that. You should have a 30-day challenge, you and your wife. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so it has to be something like that. I'm, I'm more, I'm more come from a science background. Uh, I have a doctorate in education, for example, um, and I believe that uh, things should be measured if you want to find out how valuable they are. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it in some form. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll ping you right after. Um, yeah, this has been great. Um, are there any? Uh, or how can people find out more about your work, uh, your course, and then your website? Well, uh, they can get all of that at the website I mentioned earlier, which is stevegjones.com. And there's also a free hypnosis download there to help you manifest your wealth. I mentioned that a lot of people come to us these days for that. So why not? Especially as we potentially move into a new type economy where people want to take the power within them and show it to the world and turn it into something that makes money for them. So that's available, a free one-hour hypnosis session on wealth manifestation at stevegjones.com. You can also go there and follow the contact link if you have questions about the Astral Projection Program. We can also answer your questions from there. So just one quick and easy stop for everyone. That's stevegjones.com. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And you're located in an L.A., is that right? Close. I'm okay. in the deserts of Nevada. Okay. Because, cool. uh, I did. I used to live in Los Angeles. I had an office in Beverly Hills for four years. Then I went to graduate school in Georgia. Then I moved uh, to Nevada. So that's the the update. A little bit of back and forth there. But here I am, and I've been here for seven years now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Steve. Uh, I'll definitely reach out maybe in a couple months uh, when I have more questions. I'm sure I will. I'd be honored, Ruan, and uh, to you and yours, I wish you all all the best in love and health, and uh, just keep moving forward. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to ruando.com. Catch me on social media, at Ruando, and please do not forget to subscribe.